0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. To those of you who are gathered with us and those who are gathered online, welcome you here this morning. I'm um, going to get rid of this. Uh, before we begin, let's just take a moment to, uh, to pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. We thank you so much for who you are and what you have done for us so that we can have this hope. Um, Lord, I pray that in our hearts and our minds we would seek your glory above our own um, and that you would be glorified here today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, if you haven't guessed it, we are talking about heaven today. And I want to tell you a story. Um, This story might sound a little bit familiar, but uh, I think what happens is when we tell this story, is we stop before we get to the end. Now, how crazy is that? Think about your favorite story that you had, or that you have from whatever, whatever it might be, and, like, if there was, you just kind of stop before the ending. It just kind of feels like there's no, like, resolution. It doesn't resolve. It's like, you know, some of, the, some of people's favorite parts are, like, the very end of the story when, whatever it is that happens in your favorite story. So, in the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. He made it all. Stars, galaxies, planets, trees. Fish and birds, dirt, rocks, air, water, and the pinnacle of his masterpiece, he created humans. He created people. And God said, It is good. Over and over and over, God says, It is good. And then as he relaxes, rests after he's done creating, he says, it is very good. This was God's plan. People, humans, mankind living on a perfect earth in a perfect relationship with Him, the Creator. But then something happened His creation, His people, His children, they were tempted and deceived. And they rebelled against God and they did the one thing he said never to do. They ate the fruit. And that allowed sin and death to enter this perfect world that he created. And God's relationship, when he was walking with them in the garden, that relationship was severed and cut off. But he had a plan to make it right. He would send his son Jesus to take the ultimate punishment for our sin and our rebellion. In his death on a cross, he made a way for us to have a relationship with him again. So Jesus died on the cross to take our punishment that whoever believes in him will not have to perish but have eternal life. And on the third day, he rose again, showing that he has power over death. And so we no longer have to fear death. And we can be free from sin and bondage. And so I would legitimately stop here in the story and say, so give your life to Jesus. He's the only one who can save you. And he will never lead you wrong. And this is a great place to stop in the story and take a moment to think and to reflect and to examine our own hearts and lives. But I think we just kind of don't quite get all the way to the end. Because remember God's original plan? This is very good. Humans living on a perfect world in a perfect relationship with him. He doesn't just abandon that plan. He doesn't just say, oh, I guess that didn't work out. I guess we will try something different. No, he wants to restore. So that's what God intends to do. And Pastor Anthony talked about that last week. uh, The verse in Revelation 21, 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. See, this is the interesting thing. Christ is not only saving and redeeming us, people, humans, but he's also saving and redeeming the world, what was created. Because the world was subject to sin and death just as we are. And therefore, it must be redeemed because God's not going to leave something unredeemed. He's going to complete his plan all the way to the end. In Romans 8:22. This is what Paul says. He says, The creation itself will be set free from bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know the whole creation, thats the whole created world and universe and stars and galaxies has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only creation, but us ourselves. We are waiting. We are wanting that day because all creation has fallen. That includes us and this world. So God is redeeming us, and he's also redeeming the world. Interesting side note, which is actually kind of part of the message. Um, When we profess faith in Jesus Christ, we enter the waters of baptism, which represents the, the cleansing of our sin. And then we receive, as Christians, when we believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. And God is often talked about as a refiner, it's like he purifies things. It's like gold and you stick it in the fire. All the impurities come up. It's called dross and then they scrape it off to make the gold more pure and then they heat it up and it comes out and it scrapes off. That's what happens in our life. The longer we walk with Jesus, the more he brings out of us the things that are kind of not the greatest to deal with them, to purify us. That's called sanctification. That's what happens. And you know God's doing the same thing with this earth. It's interesting to note that he's already baptized the earth with water in the flood. And one day... He will baptize the earth with fire. It says in Micah that the mountains will melt like wax when God remakes this world. He refines it, purifies it. Think of it kind of like recycling. I mean, we do this, we can kind of grasp a little bit. We take our old, used up, dirty cans, they recycle them, they go, I'm assuming they heat them up really hot, make them into something new. This is kind of what God is doing with us and what God is doing with this world, creating something pure again without any defilements or impurities in it. Um, And then, this is the exciting part, when the world has been made new, the new heaven and new earth, that's when God says he will make his permanent dwelling, his permanent home here on earth with us. It says it in Ezekiel 37, 26. This isn't just a New Testament idea. This is all the way through Scripture. I've made a covenant with them, a everlasting covenant. I will give them land and their increase in numbers, and I will put my temple, his dwelling place, among them forever. I will make my home among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And why, when my temple is among them forever, the nations will know that I am the Lord. And Revelation 21:3. look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. So this brings up some interesting questions in my mind. Maybe your mind, maybe it doesn't. When we talk about dying right now and going to heaven. The heaven that we're talking about, you know, before this earth is remade. That's not our permanent home. Heaven is actually a temporary dwelling place for us. I'll say that again because I know that kind of sounds a little weird, maybe in our minds. Heaven as we think of it right now, going up to be with God is not our forever home. God's intended purpose for us was on a world like earth, but without any sin and any decay and death. And that's what will be accomplished one day. It's kind of like a pit stop or a layover, if, if you will. Your final destination is here, but you have a layover here before you get there. Um, so, our final destination as humans, as, as believers is a new, remade, perfect earth living there with God who is dwelling right amongst us, walking side by side. And that earth is a physical earth. It has trees and animals and plants. You can read about it in um, Revelation. Anthony talked about it last week, if you want to look more into that. And it is a place, I would would propose to you that it is going to be a place full of culture and adventure and excitement and creativity and exploration, what God has built in us to do and enjoy, which are um, relative to who he is. He's built us in his image, and it's going to be perfect unity and ultimate satisfaction with God. So until that time, when we talk about heaven, and I'm going to call it the current heaven, and then there's the new heaven, which scripture talks about, the current heaven, um, what is that like? <clears throat> Sorry, squeak there a little bit. <laughs> just a young, just a young guy. Um, so until that time, until that time when God like bookends, right? We look in we look in scripture, Genesis 1, God creates the heaven and earth. Awesome. Very end of Revelation 21, 22, God's making a brand new earth for us to dwell on him with with ever. So that kind of like bookends the story, right? And I think we kind of get stuck in the middle and we forget, this is the ending point. The new world, new earth. Living forever with God, it's going to be awesome. Um, But in between that, when we die now, Scripture talks about us going to heaven. Anthony preached on that previously, that um, to die is to be with God as a believer. So we know that when we die, Paul has told us that our body returns to the dust, dust to dust, and our spirit returns to God, spirit to spirit, from which it came. Now, it's when our spirits, because all people have spirits, Christian and non-Christian alike, when we die, that is when either you go to be with God or you have punishment in hell or Hades, as what Scripture calls it. So, what can we know about the current heaven? I'm going to make a disclaimer at this point. Um, I am going to be making some extrapolations and some educated inferences from what scripture teaches us on this. So I would encourage you to hold this with an open hand, uh, but not to dismiss something just because you're not used to hearing that in church, because this is something that we don't really talk that much about. So I'm going to be diving deep into some things, you know, hoping to paint a little bit of a picture for you about this. Um, I could be completely wrong just saying that, but This is what I can glean sort of from scripture in regards to the current heaven. The future heaven, lots of cool scriptures about that, sweet, awesome stuff. Look into it. The current heaven is what I'm talking about today. So the first question I have about the current heaven, and this one is debated, is, is the current heaven a physical place or, like the movies predict, or not predict, like the movies depict, Do we just float up into the sky and we're just kind of hovering around, disembodied in this kind of like ethereal state in the clouds, you know, not knowing what is going on? Um, I'm going to submit to you that that is not the correct view, um, and I will explain to you at this point why I believe that. I believe that there is a physical element to the current heaven, and I will give you some verses to explain why I think that. The first reason is this. Jesus, when he died and was resurrected, he had a resurrected new body, like the body we're going to get when we get to go live on the cool new earth. He had a physical resurrected body, and we see that it's physical because in John 20, 27, Jesus says to Thomas, who is like, I'm not going to believe until I can like, touch him. He says to Thomas, he says, here, reach your finger here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand here. Put it into my side This is Jesus saying, physically touch me. I'm here. I'm real. I'm tangible. Um, And then he says in Luke 24, this is Jesus' new resurrected body. He's saying, Behold, my hands and my feet. Um, It is I myself. Handle me. Touch me. See. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones like you see that I have right now. Luke 24 also goes on to say that Jesus said, Hey, do you guys got any food? I'm a little hungry. Not that he said he was hungry. He just asked for food. They gave him some fish, and he ate some fish. It went in, and I don't know how the digestion works, but it went in. Maybe it's like perfect digestion. I don't know. I had a great conversation with Pastor Matt about, this, about that this week. Um, I don't know if I want to go there right now. So, but this is what we know. Jesus had a physical resurrected body. And then he ascended and went into heaven in his physical resurrected body. So to me, that seems like there's at least one body in heaven that is a physical body in some sense. Jesus said this, is that he was going to prepare a place for his followers, which um, is the holy city. This is the, in my father's house, there are many mansions and there's many rooms in these mansions. This is the holy city that they talk about in Revelation, um, which is huge. The base of this city takes up half of the U.S. It's massive, and it's like as tall as it is wide. As it's a big, it's a big square, it's a big box kind of thing, which is interesting. You guys are getting a lot of little side notes today. Um, in the temple in Jerusalem, the Holy of Holies, the most holy of holy place where Jesus, or uh, they say that God's presence dwelled, was a box, a perfect square, and we see this future city that God is, Jesus is building for us right now is this big kind of square thing. Um, some people say that it's a triangle because they say it's as high as it is wide, and they say, well, that could be a point in the middle. I don't know. I think it's a box because it lines up with other scriptures. But, anyways, Jesus said he's going to prepare this place for us. Um, and we know on the new earth, it is going to be a physical city. There's an angel that goes and says, What are its dimensions? So an angel takes like a measuring tape and legitimately in human measurements measures out this city, which to me says, this is a physical city. So right now, Jesus is building a physical city in heaven to come down to this earth. So I mean, I guess you could have the question of, well, could Jesus build it like spiritually and then it becomes physical when it hits the new earth? Uh, You might have an argument there, I don't know, but it hints to me that there is some sense of physicalness in the current heaven revelation chapter 6 verse 9 to 11 also gives us some hints toward this i'm going to read a few verses um, and just make a few observations about them specifically this is revelation 6 9 when he opened the fifth seal i saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of god and for their witness so there's martyrs in heaven because they've been, they've been killed for their testimony of Jesus Christ. So this is where he's saying, I, I saw them. And they were crying out in a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before um, you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and the brothers um, who should be killed should be completed. Couple things. Why were they given robes if they didn't have a body to put a robe on? Now, it could be a spiritual robe. I don't know. I could be wrong on this, but I'm just saying these are hints at this, okay, guys? Um, also, I find it interesting. Actually, I'm going to talk about it in a minute. I'll get there. Ooh. In Luke 16, we have another fascinating story um, where Jesus is talking about a rich man and a dude named Lazarus who die. And it says, the rich man who wasn't very great in his life goes to Hades or hell. And the poor man, Lazarus, who it says, he got no comfort from men. It says the only comfort he really got in his life was dogs licking his sores. Like, this was was a dude that had it rough. And it says, in the end, um, Lazarus, goes to be at Abraham's side in heaven, and the rich man goes to Hades or hell, and he's in torment. And now it says there's a great chasm between the two so that you can't cross it. I mean, this is pretty black and white for me that um, there you only get a choice on this earth. You don't get to choose to go between the two after we die. It's like a one-time choice. So there's a chasm that is fixed between heaven and hell, and they can't cross it. Now this is the part that I don't think scripture, I think Jesus was telling a story here. It says that the rich man calls out to Lazarus across this chasm. So I I don't necessarily think scripture teaches that you can talk across heaven and hell. I think Jesus is trying to make a point here about um, what's going on in this story. So the rich man says, cries out to Lazarus and says, hey, can you dip your finger, physical finger, in some water and drip the water on my tongue because I am in anguish. Now, to me, that points at again, hints at things being physical. He had a finger, he could drip it on a tongue. Anyways, you guys can take that how you want. I'm just trying to lay it out for you. Another another interesting thing is in uh, Matthew chapter 17, Jesus is on the Mount of uh, Transfiguration, as we call it, and Moses and Elijah appear beside him in physical form, talking to him. Now, this is just a purely thought exercise, Did they have like temporary physical bodies on earth that God like gave them when they came to talk to Jesus? And then when they went back to heaven, he like took away their temporary physical body? Or was it just that they had one and then they just got transported and then transported back? I don't know. Just asking the question. Another thought is in Genesis 5:24, it talks about a guy named Enoch. He says, Enoch lived 365 years. It's a long time. He walked so close with God, then just one day he disappeared because it says God took him. God took him. It doesn't say God left his body, it's just God took him. So did he take his physical body? I don't know. Same with Elijah. We have Elijah who gets taken up in a chariot of fire. It says his physical body gets into this chariot and it takes him up into heaven. Interesting. So, all I'm saying with all that information given to you is that it seems to me that there is some physical aspect to the current heaven. Now, how does that all work? I don't know. But it seems to me scripture hints at that. So, um, another question I have is, will we in heaven know what's going on here on earth? Now, I'm going to be referencing some of the same things. When you think about Moses and Elijah who were transfigured beside Jesus, it says they were transfigured there and they were talking with Jesus about what? About Jesus, what Jesus was going to do. They knew what was going on. They were up on current events on the earth when they were talking to Jesus, being like, hey, we know that this is what you're going to do coming up in Jerusalem here. Now, mind you, God could have um, briefed them before they came but I don't know. In Revelation 6, the passage that I I read about the martyrs, it says, um, Lord, how long is it before you're going to avenge us? The people who killed us are still living on the earth. It seems that they're aware of what's going on. And they're crying out to God to do something, which in essence is praying. So we can still pray in heaven, which is really just talking to God and we're going to be there with many, so we'll be praying all the time. But that's Another side little note. Um, in Luke 15:10, this is the verse that we often recite, but as I realized this week, I got it wrong. It says, There is much rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I always quote that verse as, There's much rejoicing of the angels. It's like, no, there's much rejoicing in the presence of the angels. So someone around the angels who's watching what's going on on earth is rejoicing when someone repents and comes to faith in Christ. And I mean, it would make sense that it would be people who have gone before us who are watching and like, yes, can you imagine that? Like, you'd be stoked because you know, right? Right? Revelation 18.20, I also find this fascinating. There's an angel who's, who's pouring out um, stuff onto the earth, and the angel turns to heaven and addresses the saints and the prophets in heaven and says, rejoice, for Babylon has been struck down. So he's addressing people who are watching what is currently happening on the earth. So I would say that in the current heaven, we are able to know and see what's going on on the earth. Because what it makes sense, like this is where I think a lot of people think about, is that when we go to heaven currently, we kind of just like float around in a daze, not really know what's going on until something else happens. But is that our God to like dumb our senses when we're in his presence? Or do you not think it would be a heightening of our senses? A heightening of our understanding? Being fully aware. We see with the rich man and Lazarus, that when the rich man cries out to Lazarus, he's like, hey, you know, can you help me? I'm in agony. And they're like, sorry, there's a chasm here. We can't, there's no way crossing over. And he's like, well, then send someone to my brothers because they're not following Jesus. He's aware. And he's concerned for his family. This isn't somebody who's been dulled in their senses and doesn't remember and doesn't understand what has happened on earth. He fully remembers. And I find it interesting that the rich man never says, oh, I don't deserve this. He's like, no, I just don't want anybody else to be here. I think he recognized, yeah, I'm getting what I deserve, but I want to make sure nobody else comes here. Go tell my brothers. And the response that he's given is, well, they have Moses and the prophets. They have, they have the Bible. Listen to them. He's like, no, 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 if somebody raises from the dead, then they'll listen. He's like, no, if somebody raises from the dead, they're still not going to Listen. This is very fascinating stuff. A couple more, couple more little points that I just want to point out that I just find very interesting. In Revelation 6, the martyrs are like crying out to God, hey God, we want you to do something. Um, and God responds to them by giving them some information of like, just wait a little bit longer, not everything's been completed. To me, that hints at there is learning. Learning. There was knowledge they didn't have. They asked the question, God responded, and then they understood. It's like, whoa, we can still learn? Yes, we could still learn. That's how God created us. The other thing is, there is a sense of time. Because they're like, God, you haven't done anything yet. And God's like, wait a little bit longer. So there is this sense of time in heaven um, that we can kind of infer from this. So, I know that's a lot of stuff. But this is just some hints at what we can maybe glean about what heaven is like. I mean, Paul says it very clearly. He's like, it is better by far to be with Jesus, to be with Christ, than what is on this earth in the pain and the death of what we have here. And I am excited to be in God's presence. And I'm excited to live on a new world and a new earth. If you want to, um, you don't have to. I made a a playlist of songs. You might have seen it posted on our Facebook and our Instagram. Of just like songs about heaven that can maybe like get our minds thinking that way. Because one of the reasons that we wanted to like tackle and think about heaven is because we we just often don't go there. Like we're just so focused on the here and the now and we don't have eternity in mind. So we wanted to open our imaginations and ignite kind of like that oh man, Like, what is this going to be like? What is this going to be like? And you know, like, getting our minds thinking that way. So we've made a playlist of just some songs, and I'll warn you, it is the whole gamut of musical genres from, like, hip-hop to, like, old school, like, yeah, anyways. Country, it's all in there. So don't be, a, like, anyways, just warning you, I enjoy all the musical genres, so enjoy. If you'd like to look that up, it's on our Facebook and Instagram. And also, I think it's on our Spotify, if you have our church's Spotify thing. Um, So, this is the thing. No matter what you believe about heaven, the current heaven, the future heaven, whether you think it's literal, whether you think it's spiritual, all those kind of things, I think it's good for us to think about it and take time to actually like, okay, what does it really say? No matter what you believe about that, we have very clear instructions, what we should be doing right now. Because what you believe about heaven doesn't really affect how you live today. I mean, aside from the fact that you need to believe that there is hope and that there is something far greater coming. But we have very specific instructions for us living today that God has given us. We're to go make disciples. Go make other people who follow Jesus help each other do that. To spread the word. This is the parable that Jesus said. He's like, there was a master who had a great banquet. And the people who he invited didn't come. So he sent his servants out. Go tell everyone. There's tons of room. And this is the thing. Go tell everyone. There's tons of room. This is what we are to be doing here and now spreading this great news about what Jesus has done so that we can have this restored fellowship with God again. It makes me think of that verse, store up treasures in heaven. I don't know about you, but probably the most precious treasure is another person. Because that's the only thing that will transfer from this world to the next is people. People. So what are we spending our time doing? Building up our own kingdom here? It's going to burn. It's going to melt. It's a waste of time to build up our own kingdoms here. It's pointless. We have whole books of the Bible that talk about that. It is meaningless. But to know God, to follow Him, To share his truth, his word, his love with others. That's why we're here right now. So go invite someone. Go invite everyone. And if they don't want to come, go invite someone else. Let's pray. God, We thank you for the word you've given us that can give us glimpses of what life with you is going to be like. God, and I pray that that glimpse would fuel us to tell others to be your witnesses throughout this world. Lord, I pray that you would Ignite our imaginations for you and your kingdom to come. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want to end with Ephesians 3.20 and it says in Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is working in us to him be glory in the church forever amen go in god's blessing